Welcome to the Know No Strangers podcast, where attorney and legal advocate Bill Robinson shares life lessons and inspiration. Good morning, all. It's a very cold morning here in Miami, 47 degrees on January 14th as we approach the Dr. Martin Luther King National Holiday. I'm William Robinson, and I welcome you to the podcast of Know No Strangers. Uh, Good day to each and every one of you. And I reflect back over my 66 years in this wonderful place in this country. And I remember so many things that I experienced coming up in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and then college in Atlanta, and then law school in Washington, D.C. I remember the Black Panthers when I was a teenager in high school, UEP Newton and Bobby Seale, Elders Cleaver tried to stop police brutality back in the 60s and were challenged by the FBI and the Ronald Reagan forces in the state of California. Uh, They were infiltrated by the FBI and eventually destroyed as a movement. I remember in the 70s marching for Dr. King's holiday uh, while a student at Atlanta at Morehouse College. Morehouse has a peculiar and particular claim to Dr. King as he's a student there. Uh, We marched for recognition of his birthday as a holiday and Stevie Wonder saying, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. And I remember President Ronald Reagan signing the holiday into law, the first African-American to be recognized in this country uh, for his uh, great leadership in fighting for civil rights. But here in 2023, we are still fighting, still fighting for civil rights, equality, and justice. And we're also fighting uh, a battle of ideas. You know, certain countries, Russia, China, Afghanistan, North Korea are all totalitarian regimes that don't allow free speech, Cuba, and so much censorship of what can be said, what can be thought. And it's so, so sad and sickening to see uh, our governor and DeSantis in the state of Florida and many state legislatures across the country banning books, closing down thought and idea ideas, exchange of ideas, and uh, reviewing college courses to make sure things like critical race theory are not taught. And and it's an abomination. It's an aberration. Our country uh, has been uh, strong because of a robust discussion of ideas and the fear felt by those who want to censor uh, teaching in this country is 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 greatly concerning, greatly concerning. Critical race theory has been around for a long time. It didn't start out as, as race theory, it started out as critical theory. Uh, it was primarily a graduate field of, of study in law and legal studies. Uh, it challenged the traditional thought of uh, a review of economic systems based on class, you know, the poor versus the rich, the middle class somewhere there in the middle. And it it really focused more on the theory, the critical theory 
on the racial analysis of how race has impacted uh, this country and the rights provided to and respected for people in this country. You know, particularly uh, upsetting to people in addition to race, to critical race theory was the 1619 project, which uh, discussed how America was built upon uh, large part the backs of slaves. Uh, the, the founding ideals of liberty and equality were untrue when they were written and back in the Constitution of the United States by Thomas Jefferson. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed with the creator. And Black Americans and white Americans have fought to make these ideals true. And this was the basis for the review of American history in the perspective of 1619. 1619 discussed discussed how uh slavery migrated to the west you know initially started out in all the 13 colonies and then primarily uh moved to the southern colonies and then as we expanded to the west uh there was a fight in congress about which states admitted would be slave states and which states admitted would be free states um there's a new book out about daniel webster who was a great anti-slavery orator and advocate from uh born in new hampshire i think and and representing massachusetts but ultimately in 1850 he uh he ran for president four times and he was the secretary of state and uh senator clay came to him and they made a deal for the senate to pass the fugitive slave act in 1850. california at that time had the gold rush of 1849 and it was a big deal to try to get california into the united states so daniel webster agreed to be the secretary of state and enforce the fugitive slave act which brought to the north the uh the horrors of slavery because in blacks who escaped slavery in the south were arrested in the north and the northerners were obligated to turn them over to the to southern slavers as they were considered property back then uh the 1619 project also discusses the, the brutality of capitalism uh you know they made a lot of money in the southern states and in the united states uh based upon uh sugar growing sugar cotton textile factories in england sugar is rum molasses the tobacco industry in the south all generated and produced by the slave labor and that and made a lot of people rich in America. People don't want to hear this kind of stuff because it's kind of hard to justify and explain and 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 make understood, but it was a brutal American capitalism that this country is built upon. The 1619 project also discussed how the criminal justice system, you know, you keep slaves in line by brutal, cruel treatment and if we look at the criminal justice system over the years which has been dominated by black defendants and and white judges uh, there's so much disparities in sentencing that has been studied and recognized uh throughout the centuries over this country that's a part of what the 1619 project talks about uh all of these uh inequalities resulted in uh the 
racial wealth gap that continues to to grow uh, here in America. You know, there's a reason why blacks are consistently in poverty and whites have been able to benefit from generational wealth that's been passed down and passed down and passed down. And and these are things that uh, are a part of our history. And people are trying now to stifle uh, the teaching of our history. They don't want uh, people to know uh, the foundations of America. And that's wrong. And and primarily in kindergarten through 12th grade, most of this stuff <laughs> was not taught uh, in any sort of depth. Very brief discussion. I had an interesting conversation with my grandson over the holidays. He said, all they talk about is slavery, slavery, slavery now. Well, that's a, a recent development. But in many areas, it's being outlawed and uh, reviewed and censored by government. And, you know, in spite of that, and, and that's primarily because most of the parents, if very few people go to college in this country, say it's 25%. So that means 75% of the people in this country don't have advanced studies, don't have college and terminal degrees, PhDs. So they haven't really studied these things. Historically, black colleges teach these things, but again, uh, only uh, it's a very small percentage, relatively speaking, of people who get this sort of education. So if you didn't learn it, you don't want your child to learn it because uh, you think it's uh, it's bad and you think that it's threatening to your uh, to your existence. And, and that's why critical race theory has uh, has come under such an attack. Uh, I think uh, one of the motivations was a response to the George Floyd. It was an overwhelming uprising against police brutality after the George Floyd killing. So that in order to, to change the narrative, uh, critical race theory became the, the boogeyman of the uh, conservative right movement. Uh, secondly, the census shows that America is uh, becoming more of a, a, a brown country as opposed to a, a majority white country. And people are concerned about uh, this demographic and how it will change their entitlement. Uh, I think the pandemic also had an effect on the attack of uh, critical race theory because parents got to see what their kids were learning in school and they, they didn't understand or appreciate this sort of attitude or beliefs, and they wanted to rid their children of any sort of discussion of how America has been historically racist and uh, and not all goody two shoes as a, as a lot of people want to believe. Critical race theory uh, doesn't reject affirmative action. You know, affirmative action is something that was, uh, as I recall, begun under the presidency of richard nixon i think arthur fletcher was in the department of labor and they saw that the <laughs> union jobs were going primarily to whites and they said let's set aside a certain percentage to make sure that blacks get some of these jobs and and that that was a considered affirmative action and that's been attacked that's been blighted in the state of florida it was outlawed by governor bush jeb bush uh, the courts have, have, by and large, taken affirmative action out of uh, education, and we see uh, the impact of that by, you know, 
fewer and fewer opportunities be presented to everybody in recognition of this country's history. So, you know, it's it's really interesting to see that people are not being taught about the passage of the 13th and the 14th and the 15th Amendment, uh, which came after the Civil War to make people free. People aren't being taught about Japanese internment, which was such a prejudicial action by the United States government against people of our, uh, Japanese origin. People aren't being taught about Native Americans uh, being moved, a, tear, a trail of tears. They just wanted to get them out of Georgia and move them to Oklahoma to get to, to take over their land. And, and, and all this was a part of America's racist history, which was wrong. So Martin Luther King would not oppose the teaching of critical race theory. Uh, Martin Luther King would not agree with banning books uh, as a lot of school boards are doing now because they don't want their children to, talk, to be taught a perspective or a point of view. Uh, the culture wars uh, are a political effort of big business to, to convince working Americans that the cultural elite and not the economic titans are threatening them. You know, Elon Musk and his billions of dollars is 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 a threat. You know, he bought Twitter and he starts to attack Nancy Pelosi's husband uh, after he's a victimized. And, and the problem is, is that the big corporations and conglomerates are controlling the media, the television, everything you watch, Fox News, and they're spinning things in a way that confuses people and 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 makes them think it's black versus white people of color don't threaten white people they don't threaten we're not threatened we're just looking for equality so uh it's 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 very important for us as we approach <clears throat> martin luther king day to recognize that there has been historically a uh, an ability of the uh racist to turn aggression into self-defense and uh we've got to fight that and we've got to fight uh for equality and justice in america we've got to continue to persevere and uh as martin luther king said one day that his dream would come true and we shall overcome so uh we have to fight the good fight we have to continue to be aware of what's going on and who's pushing the buttons and uh, continue to learn and to read and to understand America and make it live up to its creed of liberty and equality for all. I'm Bill Robinson, and I uh, thank you for listening to my brief podcast in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, feel free to call me if you have any questions. And thanks again for listening to Know No Strangers. Don't be a stranger. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Mr. Robinson's legal practice, visit williamcrobinsonattorney.com.